0: for today, because it starts and ends with giving thanks to the Lord, which kind of was what they did on Palm Sunday, the initial Palm Sunday, when they laid down palm branches before Jesus as he rode in on a donkey. They were looking for somebody to come in as a king on a horse, and Jesus rode in as an unassuming Jewish man on a donkey, Um, and they weren't expecting that, but really, they probably should have been. So for us this morning, I just want to pray this over us and pray that we would experience his peace, um, his patience, his joy, and just the anticipation that they felt as Jesus rode in. So we're going to read Psalm 118. It's 1 through 2 and then 19 through 29. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord this is the gate of the Lord the righteous shall enter through it i thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone this is the lord's doing it is a marv- it is marvelous in our eyes this is the day that the lord has made let us rejoice and be glad in it save us we pray o lord o lord we pray give us success are here, that you were here before we walked in, that you've already prepared the words that you want us to hear, God, that we know you want us to feel your joy and your peace and just to enter in and worship, so Lord, I just pray that you would speak and we would listen first, God, in worship and while Jordan brings the message, amen.
1: Jesus, our hearts rise up and say, Hosanna, let our hearts not be those that are just enamored by the things that you've done and who a week later will turn our backs. When things get hard and things don't turn out as planned, we walk away. Let our hearts leap up and cry, Hosanna, and may it be a continual cry of our hearts for more of your presence, more of your will to form us, to inspire us, to take up our crosses after you. Jesus, we remember in this day what it was like 2,000 years ago when you rode into a town on a donkey in humility. Received praise knowing a week later you would be despised and rejected. We sit in that moment with you. And we say thank you for your steadfast love, for your commitment to the cross for your ability to do the Father's will despite the change of opinion around you and inspire us to follow after. And as we move into Holy Week, let us remember, not because this is an American holiday, but because this is the path you walked and this week, every moment was intentional and every minute counted for the kingdom and let us live that way. We thank you, Jesus, for the ability to travel with you on this journey. We thank you for the path to the cross because through that death, there is resurrection. And through the wilderness, there is new life. We want to be there in it with you because we are your disciples want to follow after you in the ways that are hard and in the ways that are joyful. So move in us today for our roots to grow deep. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Jesus, we thank you for um, Jordan. We love him very much. pray that he would just be able to be himself 100% today, not perform at all, and just, um, just do what he always does, God, just to speak words through him that we need in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Good morning. Good morning. All right, so Jesus. That's what we're talking about. It's always the answer to the question, isn't it? So if somebody asks you, what have we been preaching through? Just always say Jesus. And you'll be right this time. So I'm going to do a little review of what we've been talking about. We've been going, we've been talking about Jesus um, through the Gospel of Mark. And um This, in Mark, it starts off, I think it all kind of starts to come together in verse 14 and 15. Bill, you can go ahead and pull this up. This is where this gospel really starts to get some speed. It says, Now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So the kingdom of God is at hand. So what Jesus is saying is you've been waiting for this kingdom to come, and I am the fulfillment of that kingdom. It is here in the flesh, standing in front of you. And so this whole gospel is about how, what happens when the kingdom of God enters into a situation, and how does it transform that situation? And so this this is just littered, this whole gospel is littered with moments where the kingdom of God comes in. And so we sing these songs and we invite, Yours is the kingdom, right? Yours is the kingdom here in this place. And I love that we're singing that song today. Yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory forever. And I and I think we we so often say those things, but are we really willing to say yours is the kingdom actually personally in me? It's like we can say it, yeah, God, yours is the kingdom, you're God, right? You have to have have the kingdom, but is the kingdom really number one in me? That's a question we all have to ask today, and so I'm going to challenge you to ask that question, and what we see in Mark is over and over again, it's Jesus taking first place. He comes into a situation like this. There's a demon in the room. He, He takes first place in that. The demon comes out, and he says, I have authority over that. There's a sickness, I have authority over that. He starts teaching, I have authority over that, right? He starts calling people, he has authority over it, and that's all within the first chapter. And so when we enter in in chapter two, things start to change, and he starts to to take what is an authority over all of these outlier things and starts to say, I actually want authority over you. This is the time where I want authority over you, the time of salvation is right now, and so... This is when things start to go downhill for Jesus. When we start, to, we're, even in the midst of it being Palm Sunday, him being led into his death, it's, it's at this moment where we have people that, that he is actually saying, I want you personally, and you are the one that has to change. Yeah, I can cast a demon out, I have authority over that, but do I have authority over your life? And at that moment is when they have to say, I accuse you because you have come against me in my way of life, in my way of living. And so, with that said, I want to I wanna read verse 27. Josh preached on this, uh, I believe it was two weeks ago. Phenomenal. I thought this was so good, and I wanted to just build on it for, the, for, for today. So, let's read this. Throwing him into convulsions, the unclean spirit cried out with a loud voice and came out of him. They were all amazed so that they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And those three words, what is this? Like Jesus, the kingdom of God, enters into a situation, and people say, What is this? What's this, what's this teaching? It has authority. It's taking control. So what is this? And I think that we, all, we, ha- we oftentimes have these moments in life where, it's just that question. It's like Jesus is telling us something, or it's a confusing moment. We just say, "What is this? What what is what is this, God?" And I know that we've all had these moments. I'll share a couple of mine recently um, later on. But I want to challenge you as we're as I'm preaching today. Think about like what is what is this moment? It's such a childlike question. Like, you know, if you know if you're kids, it's like always like, "What is this, Dad? What's that? Why?" You know, it's like go clean your room. Why? All, all the time, right? What is this? It's such a childlike response to something, and I think that we all have moments right now in our lives, situations where it's like, "What is this thing? And God's inviting us into a dialogue with Him. He's saying, "I want you to come and have conversation with me." And so can you pull up Colossians one? I think this gets at the heart of the message today. He is the image of the invisible God. This is Jesus, the firstborn of all creation. For by Jesus, all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through Jesus and for Jesus. Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus, all things hold together. Jesus is also the head of the body, the church, and Jesus is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So, that Jesus Himself will come to have first place in everything. So, today, this, and I, just, I want to say this too the, the authority that Jesus brings, I want to deconstruct an idea of authority that many of us have. And it's this authority that is going to possess and control you. And this is the authority that the demons possess. Right, they enter in, they possess a person, and they control the things that that person does, and that person can't even have any authority over their own life. So when Jesus comes in, He's not taking authority in that way, he's taking authority to empower you to make decisions on your own that are then edifying to Him. Does that make sense? So this is the type of authority that Jesus has. It's a loving, grace-filled authority over your life. He's not asking you to. He's not. He's not saying I'm going to direct everything that you do. But he's going to offer you something, and he's going to ask for you to respond to that. Okay? So the question today is, who is Jesus to you? I think that's just the simplest of ways that I can put it. Who is Jesus to you? Because if he is God, and in this you see, he is before all things, which means he created you in his image, and he's calling. he, he has authority. He has the right of first refusal on your life. That's just truth. He has, he has the right of first refusal on your life. And so if you actually believe that Jesus is God and that he is creator, then that means that you must give him the right to control. That's, just, that's truth. But if you don't believe that he is God, then you will make accusations against him. You will blame him for the things because he's still there. It's not like he's not there. You can act like he's not, but he's still there, and you can make the accusations against him. But in this place, we believe that Jesus is God, that he has authority over us and me individually. And so I have to allow him access. And the invitation is so grace-filled. It is an invitation, Not he's not saying, this is the, this is the, the law, these are the things I'm telling you to do, do them or die. He's saying, I want to invite you into a, a relationship with me, into a dialogue and a conversation. So, we're going to read today Mark chapter 2, verses 13 through 3, 6. So this is a big chunk of scripture today, and I'm aware of that. Um, and we're not going to jump into little, all the little intricacies, but I want to look at, so, so often we're prone to look at just small sections and see what Jesus is saying, and I want to look a little bit broader today about what's, what's he saying over the course of these 25 verses or so. So. Let's read this today, Mark chapter 2, verse 13. I'll read here, and you can read behind me. He went out again by the seashore. That's where Sally sells seashells. (laughs) All the people were coming to him, and Jesus was teaching them. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in a tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he got up and followed him. It's just interesting here. He's gonna call Levi, and it's a simple, I'm gonna follow him, and then he's gonna go off for like four different scenes where he's gonna talk about the Pharisees who aren't following him. And so I think I think he's trying to like build a contrast here of like this is Levi, and then this is this is the people that I'm gonna be talking to. So it happened, verse 15, it happened that he was reclining at the table in his house. Many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples for There were many of them, and they were following him. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, he said to his disciples, Why is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? Hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. So you notice this dialogue. It's a question. It's a, What is this? And Jesus responds, Verse 18, John's disciples, and this is a whole other episode, John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, and they came and said to him, why do John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? What is this? And Jesus said to them, while the bridegroom is with them, the attendants of the bridegroom cannot fast, can they? So long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in that day. For no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment." Otherwise, the patch pulls away from it, the new from the old, and the worst tear results. No one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and the wine is lost, and skins as well. But one puts new wine into fresh wineskins. Okay, whole other episode. Same thing. It happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what's not lawful on the Sabbath? What is this? And he said to them, have you, ever, have you never read what David did when he was in need? He, is, he and his companions became hungry and how he entered the house of God in the time of Ebiathar, the high priest. And he ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priest. And he also gave it to those who were with him. Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Let's pray. Father, Love you, reveal yourself, your word is true, it pierces sharper than any double-edged sword. God, I ask today that it would pierce us and that we would allow it to do so, and that we would feel loved and not rejected. In Jesus' name, amen. So, it starts with these childlike questions. What, what is this? And he, there's, there's three scenes that we just read where he says, where Jesus does something or his disciples do something, and it's so, it's so small, right? He's eating with tax collectors and sinners. Not, it doesn't seem to me like this is anything that should be a huge deal. All you're doing is dining with a couple guys, right? Then, it's, then it says that they weren't fasting, and they have, they have questions about this, right? I would be thrilled. Like, I don't have to fast. Awesome, right? But there's questions. And the same thing. He's picking grain on the Sabbath, More questions. And these are just good things that are just part of their culture. They're not anything that's really, really bad. It's not like they're doing something promiscuous. It's just normal day-to-day life. And they are just confronting Jesus with questions. And what's beautiful is Jesus doesn't reject the question. And you'll you'll notice that in these dialogues, he's he's welcoming these questions in and creating space for them to have questions and for him to just offer a response. It's so beautiful. So what I want to share is for you, so I want to I kind of give you something that you can grab onto for what, like, what is this? For me, these things can be good and bad, right? Like, um, a, a good thing for us recently that we had to confront was, we, we've been living up in Marietta, and we had a great house, one that we could live in for our, the rest of our lives, very content, and had a awesome payment is super low kids were going to go to a good school it was pretty much perfect we're only like 10 minutes from here and um and so anyways god starts to speak to us okay you're you're supposed to move and he told us a specific neighborhood here that we're supposed to move into and it costs more the schools aren't as good the house is smaller everything would say that's a bad idea right and it's a good thing we had a good thing going and god and we and and I won't share but the story of us getting into that first house was beautiful. Like, God did it. It wasn't us. And so we, God starts to speak all this stuff to us about how we're supposed to move. And we're like, what is this? Why are we supposed to do this? It doesn't make any sense, God. And yet, we start this dialogue process, and eventually, now we're, we moved in last week. And it's just this beautiful thing of what God is going to do. And I don't even know, but I know that when you hear that voice say something then you even if it doesn't make sense in the moment and they can be good things that's what's crazy and i think that sometimes we have to just look at our lives and say okay what are the good things in my life that i'm supposed to give up because there are there are good things your your your, your home these these are the, the things that god has given you but he's also can remove in order to pull you into something more so lean into even the good things and so what about, how about bad things so I'll share, I'll, I'll open up a scab for you. So about a year and a half ago, Katie and I got pregnant, and if you know us, the baby didn't make it, and this was, I guess, last fall, and it, we, we went and got an ultrasound in about seven weeks, and things seemed okay, went back a few days later, they wanted us to get another one, and the baby's heartbeat just wasn't, wasn't up to speed. And so it was like every three days we were going to the hospital and thinking, oh, the baby's going to have passed away, and it, it hadn't. And so this is constant. It was like four weeks of questions. Like, God, what is this? This is supposed to be a good thing. Like, this is awful. This is painful. It's just four weeks of, of pain. And it was, a, it was an opportunity for us to ask questions and to have dialogue with God. And, there's, I'm not going to lie, there's a temptation when something bad happens for to turn to accusation right away. Say, okay, God, you did this. You need to fix it. Right? Like, it's, this is your fault that this is happening. And I think today that somebody's supposed to receive prayer, you've already started blaming God for things, when really he's just trying to pull you into a, into a dialogue with him. And there's these opportunities in life that are so good, and there's, there's ones that are so hard. And God's just offering you the chance to be pulled in closer. And it's so beautiful. In every one of these episodes, when, he, when he's encountering the tax collectors and the sinners, he's teaching them, I am the good physician. When, he, when, he's with, when he's talking about fasting, he says, I am the bridegroom. When he's talking about picking grain on the Sabbath, he says, I'm Lord of the Sabbath. He's ta- he, wants to, he wants to tell you who he is through these what is this moments. It's so beautiful. And so I want to encourage you to take, to ask the questions. It's okay. The dialogue is good. He's waiting for you to ask him a question. And the question to you becomes, are you going to be content with the response he gives you? Because the response is not always easy. And that's what happens to the Pharisees. He gives them these responses and they just don't like it. And they don't like it because it's going to change the way they have to live. I don't want to change the way I live. I want to continue. I want to live in that same house. I want to do the same things I was doing. But God starts to speak into something, and you have, to, you have, to, you have an opportunity to respond. It's a fork in the road. And I think some of you are sitting at the fork right now. I think some of you have veered off already. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to create space today for you to get prayer to, to confess those things, if, you've, if you have gone down that path already, or for you to receive prayer now as you're trying to discern where is God leading so I want to keep going in this passage, verse, um, chapter 3, verse 1. And I'm going to be done quick because I, I really think that, this is a, that today is about ministry. It's about you creating space. And if I don't, if I don't give you enough time, then you're not going to do that, just to be honest. So I want to create space for you today to have to sit with him. So chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. Jesus, this is a whole other episode again. And notice, before I start this, there he is starting this off the other times the pharisees are asking questions to jesus this time they don't start with a question they start with an accusation he entered again into a synagogue and a man was there whose hand was withered they were watching him to see if he would heal him on the sabbath so that they might accuse him guys the irony in this verse is so heavy he's saying believe they're coming into this, to this place and saying, look, we're waiting for you to heal someone. So they acknowledge that he can heal. But, but they're waiting to accuse him. So a question for you is, do you believe that God can change lives, but you're not willing to allow him to change your own? Not that you don't believe that he will change yours. It's you're not willing to let him change yours. That's why we can sing, yours is the kingdom, but is he your kingdom? It's a big difference. So you can come into this church every single week and sing the songs, but if he's never actually your God, if he's never actually your Jesus, the one who takes authority over that which it enters, then you're not really living the Christian life. So how this changes, it's so beautiful, guys. I want to keep reading. So verse verse 2 and read that again. They were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, Get up and come forward. And he says to them, the Pharisees, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? And this is crazy, guys. He comes with Jesus. You don't come with the question, Jesus will come to you with a question. And this, these four words is what changes everything, but they kept silent. So when Jesus asks you this question, what will you do? Will you, will you quiet down and not respond, or will you respond in dialogue with him? It's waiting for you. And the sin here is really the silence. If they would have kept the dialogue going, Jesus would have walked with them until till their deathbed, even if they didn't believe. He would have sat with them, walked with them, shown them the way. But when they kept silent, it all changes. Verse 5. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately began conspiring with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him. So they the, this there's this scenario here where he's, he's got the, 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 this man isn't even the focus, right, that gets healed. He's not even the focus in this, in this story. It says that he's, he's with this man. Imagine him on the stage, and he's looking out at the others. And he heals him while looking at the others. The focus here is about them and the hardness of their hearts. And even when he's angry, he heals him. This is a type of anger that I don't even understand, a type of grieving that I don't even understand. So I want to encourage you today, don't stop asking questions. And some of you today are filled with questions, and you actually think that it's wrong to, to have all these questions and to doubt and to, you're constantly like, you come into church and honestly, this is a hard space for you, and you're constantly wondering, I don't know if I really believe that or I don't know what to think about that. And that's okay. But when, you're, when, you're, when, you're, when your questions turn to silence, is when you've gone the wrong way. And when your when what is this questions turn into you did this. Never let your what is this turn to a you did this. Today is a day for you to create space, for you to dialogue with Jesus because the road when you take when you start becoming silent you will put him to death you will put him, and and we see him he, he literally goes to to his own death but i'm telling you we can put him to death in our own lives and you can sit in this you can sit in chairs in here and and have put jesus to death in your own life that's actually possible you can come to church every sunday and have put jesus to death because you're not allowing him to be king he is king he is god So the question for you is, who is Jesus to you? Is he God? Is he creator? Or is he not God? And if he's God, he has authority. He has authority over me, us, and you. So let me just, ministry teams can come up and um, worship team. Today, I'm I'm, going to give you a couple action items, ways that you can engage with this. I think that it's so childlike. These what is this questions are so childlike. Honestly, I think that you have the question and you, even if you're not able to put your finger on it. So take a moment and, and just say, like what are, what's confusing you right now in your life? It's as simple as that. What's the one that you're like, what is, what is this thing happening? Identify that and it can be good or it can be bad. And from there, ask the questions about it. Just, I want you to interrogate Jesus. He's okay, he can handle it. Interrogate Jesus, ask him the questions, and when he responds, be content with the response he gives you. It may be different than you expect; it probably will be. So, I think today there's I, I've identified three people, three types of people. I think they're in the room today, and I think everybody's going to fall into one of these. So, firstly, you are listening. You're not, you're not listening for these "what is this" moments. So you're just skating by. You're going through life. And you're not actually identifying the moments that God's trying to form you in. So look for the moment. I want you to take time. Don't come up and receive prayer unless you just feel like you have to. But sit in your seat and engage God. Dialogue with him and ask him, what, what moment in my life right now, what situation is happening where I can, in, I can dive in deeper? Second person, you've heard a response, but you just you don't like what he's saying. And so today, I want you to come up here and receive prayer. Because there's an opportunity, first off, to discern whether or not that's really God. And so these people can help you do that. So come receive prayer for discernment. And I want to pray that God would empower you and give you bravery to step out, even when it seems hard, and even if you don't like the response he's giving. And the third person, I would say that this is so important that you receive prayer today. You've already begun blaming God for the things in your life. And he he is wanting to show you that he is in love with you. And he's not trying to hurt you or abuse you or control you or bring authority over your life that's unhealthy. He's trying to invite you into a relationship and a dialogue with him. So today, for, if that's you, come and, and with these people and confess. Right, it's a practice that we've lost in churches, but I, I implore you to come and confess the blame that you've put on God and ask for forgiveness and know today that he's bringing you into relationship. So if you're, if, for those of you who are not, you're not listening to the moments, sit and, sit and identify them. You've heard, second people, you've heard a response, but you don't like it. And the third people, you're, you're blaming God for the things and making accusations against Him. So would you stand with me? And I'll pray. Father God, Jesus, today we give you authority. The kingdom of God is at hand. The time has been fulfilled. You are near to us. And today, in your mind's eye, if you would imagine Jesus standing in front of you, the kingdom of God standing in front of you, a decision has to be made. We can't ignore it anymore. We're here today together. We're all walking up to him together. You're not alone. And you are asking him questions and he is offering a gentle response. And maybe you don't even know how to respond or what to do with it. But he's saying, I love you. I care for you. I want what's best for you. I'm taking you into something new and I want to show you something about who I am. And so today, God, we say we love you for that. We say yours is the kingdom in me. Yours is the power in me. Yours is the glory in me. And I give you authority today, God, to operate in us. Now and forevermore, we want you. And we need you. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you again for joining us today. And please visit our website at rivercitiesmyrna.com.